When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is The View from the Gladys Street, a podcast by the fans for the fans, as we go on the terraces to discuss all the big talking points at Everton Football Club. Hello and welcome to The View from the Gladys Street podcast, a podcast by the fans for the fans. Today's show is split into two segments. The first, we will look back at the defeat to Manchester United. And the second, we will discuss the fans' feelings on Everton's latest stadium announcement. My guest today, we have Mark Crotty back on the show after a few weeks off. Hello, Mark. How are you doing? Evening, guys. One thing I've noticed about you, Mark, is that you've got a real striking resemblance to Marco Silva. Has anyone ever said that to you? I'll take that all day, though. Anyone think Mark looks a little bit like Marco Silva? He needs to lose a bit of weight to get to Paris. I can see it a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Mm, A little bit. Have you got a nice coat? I'll get one for the <laughs> yeah, one. Uh, My second guest is Lee Moulton, also back on the show after a few weeks off. Hello, Lee, you all right? Yeah, all right. And my third guest is the ever-present Rob Astle. Hello, Rob. Afternoon. Um, before we get into it, just a reminder to our listeners, you can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes in the ACAST app. All you need to do is search Royal Blue. There you can rate, review and leave comments. Um, lads, where to begin? Where to begin indeed? Um, I think we'll get to the refereeing decisions in a bit but let's talk about the performance Mark we'll, st- we'll start with you um, first of all what, what did you make of the performance from Everton yesterday um, I, I don't think we played that well I thought there was a lot of silly errors silly giving the ball away um, but we created enough chances to at least get a point again didn't we it, it reminded me of Arsenal a little bit it was a, there was a bad decision we've ultimately lost the game but I've come away feeling if we put them chances away there was, there was three or four goals there yesterday without actually playing that well Um so it was a bit of a frustrating afternoon for me in that sense. Um, just in the fact that we've been crying for years, having to go to these places and have a go. We opened her up a bit, thought we were a little bit open, which is why United looked a bit better going forward, I think. Um, we made it sort of that way. But going forward, as I say, there were so many nearly things, final ball, final decision, ultimately the finishing, especially from Bernard and Coleman. That's cost us three or four goals yesterday and potentially a good win at Old Trafford. So for me, it was just a bit of a frustrating afternoon in that sense. Rob, do you agree? Or, you know, you just initial opening thoughts on, you know, the performance really yesterday. And, you know, regardless of any interference from the referee, did we do enough to at least warrant a point, do you think? Yeah, definitely. I think we warranted the point. Um, It was a frustrating game in general, really. I felt it was a game which lacked any kind of real quality on both sides. Um, It was just scrappy. and I think a bit more potency up front, we'd have put them, we'd have put them chances away. Um, and, and not even potency, just a bit of composure. You know, Walcott had the chance to square off to, um, I think, Sigurdsson or Charleston in the first half. And Bernard obviously should have squared to, um, is it Walcott? Mm, um, in the second half. When it, yeah, when, he, when, he, when we missed that chance. Um, but it was nice to see us go there and play without fear you know going one nil down yesterday that that that, t- that team collapsed last year just feel like we've got a bit more about us now and we've said in the past this is going to take a bit of time to fix but 
you know, to come away from Old Trafford feeling aggrieved or back to feeling aggrieved, it's not coming away with some points. You know, it shows we're in the going in the right direction. Um, but you know, a couple of errors our side, and obviously a refereeing decision, which we'll talk about. But generally frustrating, but you know, still on that positive uh, outlook on things. Lee, we'll, we'll come to you. Was was this not? Um, considering United's current predicament, they're in a bit of a mess, so to speak. Was it a, not an opportunity missed to take advantage of that? Because other teams have done over the past couple of. Uh, months since the season started yeah I think it was because leading up to the game I thought if this, this, this is the best chance we're going to get to go to United and beating them and I think I thought how was it even though I, I, I did think we played okay I think it was a missed opportunity because like, like next, next time playing next season they might have a new manager better players and, and also be close to the top of the league whereas they're in mid-table now struggling at the moment and and they still beat, they still beat us, so that, so that, that was that was disappointing. Even though we did we, we did have a lot, uh, we did create a lot of chances, but uh, yeah, I do things miss opportunity. Mark, the, some of the fans on Twitter following the game, it's, it's kind of going back to what's been said on this podcast um, a few weeks back. That you know, a win we shouldn't get too carried away, a loss we shouldn't get too carried away. So there's has been fans on Twitter who have been slightly annoyed. Obviously, we lost. It's disappointing. Um, do you think we? We did go for it or we didn't go for it in the end? Like, there's some fans saying we, we didn't go all out for to get well, the win. It depends on what you define as a fan. As what's, what's having a go? Let's, let's go there and have a go. Yeah. So to me, that means you want to go um, and, and and create chances and try and win the game. And we created chances. Now, if, if Bernard scores and Coleman scores and Theo, you know, makes better decisions, it's a completely... I know it's all ifs and buts and we can say that, but but they, that's what takes us from where we are now to, to the next level, isn't it? You put them chances away and that's where and that's where we want to be. We've not created that. Even when we won 1-0 the other year there, we never created chances like that. We, schoolboy stuff at times, you know, and, and, and from players that you'd expect to have better composure, especially Bernard, he's stuck it around the goalie and legs got a bit like... He'd done the hard work, hadn't he? He'd done the yeah, edge, stuck yeah, it around him, yeah. he sold the guy and, and, and he's put it wide and you're like, oh, you just can't miss chances like that at Old Trafford. Do you think he should have squared it or was he? No, he should have scored. I yeah, mean, I get what Rob's saying, I, it's a tap of a World Cup, but once you take it around the goalie, I played up for myself, I'd, ne- I'd never passed that. I just <laughs> slotted in, it's as simple as that. Mm. Um, so, I'm, I'm, yeah, that's why I'm frustrated. We have haven't gone there um, like in many times at Man United and just rolled over, let them attack us, let them get the goals, and which is what normally happens there. Four nil last season, wasn't it? And you're like, uh, I mean, that's rolling over, isn't it? That? That, that's rolling. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, if, if people are saying we never had a go yesterday, I don't know what they want. Do they want us to go there and dominate from start to finish and win five? No, I, I don't know what people want. But we're, we're, we're in a transition season. Of course, I want to win every game, but I'm being realistic. And and like I've said time and time again since the start of the season, we win or lose. Silver's trying different things. He still hasn't got all his players that he's going to want in. This isn't his final team. Um, and yeah, a little bit more composure, a little bit more ruthless uh, finishing, final decision-making, final ball. Um, and I, I think a, a top away wins just, just round the corner and that, that will set... That will set the the the, 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 um, the momentum going moving forward. So we we've got that monkey off our back, so to speak. So that's why I was frustrated. I wasn't frustrated because we went there and all those. Frustrated because actually we should have got something and other chances that we missed. That's that, that's how I saw it. Like Rob, our next couple of away games are going to be teams that consist of you know the top four. Just played United. <coughs> then we've got Chelsea, Liverpool, and City in the in December, and then even Spurs at home just before Christmas. So. 
we can't really be be sitting here, can we, following those games and going, oh well, we were we were unlucky or we had a bad refereeing decision. You know, we've we've got to start taking these chances, especially if we're going to do something in the league this season, haven't we? Yeah, definitely. You know, it's what will set. It, it's probably what's going to set aside an average season to you know a pretty good one if we can come away from these games and say that we've we've come away with some results. Then you know it. it it's going to propel us up the table, especially just before Christmas. These, if we if we can keep our own game, our own games are, I say, relatively easy, but, you know, they're winnable, certainly winnable. We can win all of them and pull pull off a couple of results away from home as well. You know, you, you're looking, just keep in touch with that top six going into the new year. And that's all we've got to do. And it'll turn the season, it'll give us something to play for in the second half of the season. And... It'll go from if we lose all the games, it'll be a pretty bang average season. But if we win all the games, you know you're looking at finishing, you know top seven plus, which is which is what could be a European place. So certainly, yeah. Lee, were you happy with Silver's subs yesterday? Would you have done anything different from what from what he uh, obviously, you know, he made three attacking subs. There's no question about that. But would you have maybe taken someone else off rather than the the, the ones that came off? No, no, I was re- relatively happy. Really, I'd, I'd maybe have his last two maybe done them sli- slightly earlier. But I was also I was pleased that he still did, did them when we scored. Other managers would have, would have then told him to sit back down and they give another ten minutes. But he didn't. He still brought them on. And I was just I was just a bit disappointed at the last last ten fifteen minutes that we didn't go at them and have a, and have a real good go. We didn't really create that much. And then even at the very end, Pickford had come up for a corner and he made it another poor corner. He didn't like put it in, in the mix and then see if Pickford can get his head on it or or even one of the other players. So, so no, I thought I thought it, this is, it's something all right. What about you, Mark? Was the, were, the, were the right substitutions at the time? I mean, for me, just, you know, just to, you know, get my opinion across that, I thought we'll come on to him, but Walcott probably should have come off first. I just thought he was having a shocking game and... Uh, he did, he, he did come off eventually, didn't he? Know. But he wasn't yeah. the first substitution, if I can remember rightly. Yeah. So would you have done anything differently to what he I'd did? I'd have potentially took. Um, I mean, Walcott was the obvious one, but I'd have also potentially took Gay out at half time because he was walking a tightrope. He'd been booked, committed another couple of fouls, including obviously uh, the foul for the penalty. Um, and I thought it took his game away from him. He just didn't want to touch anyone. Side of the second half, he was he was literally. Not he throw. Was, he was, he was just so ineffective, yeah. wasn't he? That's why I think he eventually took him off. Do you think? Do you think Silva was <coughs> trying to avoid doing a bit of a with that substitution, like for like, too early because he may he may have knew that he would have had to have thrown a bit of a, a winger slash forward on towards the end. So we always knew that mm-hmm. guy was going to be replaced at some point mm-hmm. for that reason that you've just mentioned. Yeah, it's a possibility. Um, it, it, they're, they're just the calls that you make as a manager, aren't they? You, you can either say at half time, right, you're walking the tightrope, don't want to go down to 10 men, especially with John Moss because can't stand him. And <laughs> I just don't thought, sit offence, Mark. Oh, say what you feel. What a horrible man he is. <laughs> and I just thought it was right at that time to, to sort of take Gay off and maybe ask Sigurdsson to do a different job. I don't know. It was difficult. I think if McCarthy was fit on the bench, he might have done that at half time and said, right, you go in and slot in mm-hmm. and show us that aggressive approach. Maybe the lack of options sort of dictated that to him. Um, but Theo, yeah, just what's going on? I, I was I was delighted when we signed him. I thought, yes, really good quality pacey winger I uh, just think the last few weeks I think it's just showed why Arsenal have got rid of him mm. really gutted mm. I, honestly I was so happy when we signed him just thought this is this is him um, lack uh, his miscontrol 
for the first goal at Martial down the, the wing. Um, just couldn't be bothered tracking back to get back to Martial for the Lazy second that, scene. Yeah. yeah, seeing Coleman screaming at him again. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Walcott was kind of putting his hands out, going, "It's not my fault." Yeah, yeah. Well, it is. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then going forward, he's just making bad decisions all the time, the wrong decision. So the square and he'll have a shot from a stupid angle. When you think go and score, he'll then pass and you're like, what? So I don't know what's going on at the moment. I think it might be time to sort of take him out. I'm digressing from the subject, but <laughs> I think um, the, the substitutions are all right. I agree with Lee, maybe just a bit earlier uh, to give us a chance. Well, on, on Walcott then, uh, Robert, in, talk about individual performances. Um, when he first came, we were, like as Mark said, we were delighted. It's Theo Walcott, what, what a player like that he has been for Arsenal. Obviously, you don't see him week in, week out, but when he first came, you'd always felt he could offer offer a bit more than what he was doing. But now, he doesn't seem to be even doing the basics. We mentioned, we, t- we spoke about Walcott, I think, after the first few games of the season on the podcast. And we well, we've questioned him in this podcast men- before. Yeah, we mentioned mm-hmm. levels and, you know, Mark's just hit the nail on the head there. This is why... Is this why Arsenal got rid of him? It's this inconsistency that I've always felt Theo Walcott's always had. You know, he, he sometimes he, he doesn't say he can't take a man on to save his life. It's gone, hasn't it? Yeah, it's just gone. yeah. You know, he, he he's all right playing on the break, but you know, you, you're not going to play every game on the counter. Are you? you know, you're not, you're not going to do that. His finishing, you know, it's not it's not the best, and he, he he's obviously a confidence player, but. I think just drawing back on the substitution slightly there, I think the last two weeks, Silva's made the same substitutions, pretty much like for like, I think Adam Oluchman has played himself into the team on Saturday yeah, in Walcott's place now, yeah, because agree. he's, he, there's always seems to be this frustrating player at Everton, no matter who, what <laughs> team it is, there always seems to be someone who you think, you know what mate, you're on the cusp of being a really, really good player. But they always let you down, and and Walcott's starting to like Kevin Morales. <coughs> a, a bit, you know what? No, that's a, that's a great mm. example. A bit like Kevin Morales, he's got all the talent in the world, but it's it's one in five. You know, it's two and it's two and five. You know what I mean? It's that kind. Of, it's that kind of performance, and there's 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 a reason why Arsenal let him go. You know, and I just think Walcott the past two weeks certainly, maybe even three weeks. It's pre, you know, it's time for him to just take a step back at, at, for the time being, and 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 let's have Luchman and give Luchman a go, try something different. The irony is at the moment for me is when Coleman came back and that, that game against Leicester last season, we had Coleman and Walcott down the right. We thought right, we've got the right hand yeah. flank sorted. We just need to sort the left now. Now we've got Lucas Dean at left back and either Richarlison up and on the left, so we've sorted that, and then that's gone to pot. Yeah. It's like yeah. oh, give us a break. Can't, 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 <laughs> yeah, it's so um, and Coleman's form, I don't know if that's suffering because of Walcott in front of him or he's individually not back to where he used to be. I don't know with him, but that it's not working with them too now. Yeah, so. the, the thing about Walcott is, is he gets himself in some great positions. Like yeah. he had a chance yesterday where and he and he shot straight at the hair, mm-hmm. and it's like. You've got him behind there. You know what? Any, a, you know, top class winger would have known exactly what to do there. And you're talking a goal decision making. You know, and then, and then the same thing happened against Palace. You know, he he gets set. He's clean through one goal, and he, he has this he has this chance, and it's like, you know what, mate? Just think it over the keeper. That's all you have to do. And he hits it straight at him. And it's like it just I just feel like there's always something missing from Walcott, and 
like I keep saying it, but this is why Arsenal got rid of him. If, I, if he was still worth anything to them, he'd still be there. Yeah. He's not going to come and play for us. Well, Lee, you, you're obviously saying you, you'd agree with that. Is it, you know, throughout Walcott's career at Arsenal, he's always had a bit of a complaint that he was never, you know, a number nine striker. Is this proving why that he's not, you know, being the number nine striker? Because effectively he needs two, three, sometimes four chances just to score one goal. And so it's proved over the past couple of games where he's been fed in for the ball. Some great, you know, passages are playing to him, and he's just hit it right at the keeper. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but 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 even yesterday, when I was watching him and Coleman's getting the ball, he wasn't going down the line. He's he's coming in, he's coming inside, and he's, he's behind two United defenders. He's not getting into space and looking for the ball. And and I, I, I just think yeah, he is so frustrating. I had the exact same conversation. What Rob says coming away from the match yesterday, saying if he was any good, he'd still be at Arsenal now, and. And I'm, I'm just just hoping that, that that it is like a dip in form, and then maybe if just bring bring Luckman in. Walcott might think, oh well, I'm not first choice here, and then have to work hard, and then, and then he gets back in the team, and then his form picks up again. Maybe it's just just a, a dip in form, and maybe he, he will like like chip chip in with a few goals. I mean, I the, go on. I don't like I don't like this attitude either as well. That that Walcott seems to have, and like what we saw it yesterday where. Um, Coleman and Pickford are having a pop at him and he's looking mm-hmm. looking around and saying yeah. what, what me I don't like that what me at the end of the day you're on a football pitch if you see someone on mark and the ball's going to him you go to the ball mm. doesn't matter you know it doesn't matter who you are just it's, you try and defend you defend mm. as a team and if you've seen someone on mark don't just stand there and it was really really frustrating that yesterday watching that watching that goal back and it, it's both goals both goals both yeah both you goals. know it's it, it was just lazy play, wasn't it, yeah. from him? And as as you know, we all hate with a passion, Graeme Souness, but he got him spot on after yeah. the game. And he said, at what point do you give up on a 29-year-old when you still got to tell him he's got a track back? you yeah. still got to tell him that's your man. And, just, uh, and, you know, he's done that all his life. And I think this little passage of games mirrors his whole career. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He'll get a goal, and then he'll be rubbish. Then he'll get a goal, yeah. and you think, oh, here yeah. we go, and then he'll be rubbish. And it's, not cold. it's not good enough. And, well, and, and, and as well, even be, even I, I think a couple of days before the game, he was he was talking to yeah, talking a good game, so, so, talking a good game. It's like you know, what I mean? you've got to follow these up, these these mm-hmm. you know these words up with actions, and there's no time for sentiment or sympathy in football anymore, especially in the seventeen. We're ruthless, you know what I mean? Tom Davis has one bad game, and he wants you know people want him. Shipped out on loans to, to Accrington Stanley, you know what I mean? It's that it's that bad, and it's not going to be long before people are going to really, really start getting on Walcott's back. Well, that's the thing, is that because you know, if he was working hard at least and tracking back and doing, like, say, the basics, and but he was missing his chances, then you could maybe say, well, at least he's doing that. Mm. But you know, don't want to be too harsh on him, but he's not doing any of that, is no. he? No, you look not. at the first goal; he's out of, he's miscontrolled. Then Coleman's out of position, and then and then Martial's one on one against Gay in the right back position. Um, obviously, we'll talk about the penalty, but that 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 whole right hand flank has caused that situation to develop, and he just targets at that right hand side time and time again in the first half. Um, start of the second half, they've done it again, got the second goal, and then obviously it's just it's just give us a mountain to climb, really. Um, but you just if you look at the replay, Coleman screaming at him and Walcott's going like holding his hands up and say, Me? What, what do you mean me? And that's what Sunes is alluding to, I think. At what point do you say to a twenty nine year old professional footballer, 
that's your man. What you, you you should we shouldn't even have to tell you that's your man. Come on, come on. And it's um, it's a bit embarrassing really to actually have a feels a bit wrong to agree with Tunis as well, doesn't it? What's that? <laughs> feels a bit yeah, wrong to agree with Tunis. He was right, and he, he was. He agreed with the penalty decision mm. that it wasn't a penalty either. So yeah. you know, he must have been. Must have been taking some pills or something. Must, must, must have been lucid for the day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk about Seamus Coleman then, because it kind of, you know, connects both of them, doesn't it? Walcott and Coleman, you know, yeah. Walcott's obviously struggling at the moment and so Seamus Coleman. So, Rob, what's what's going on with Seamus Coleman at the moment? Can you put it... I'll be honest, I can't put my finger on why he's not playing well. I really can't. So, can you tell me? Uh, I think... Is it is it because of Walcott? Is it because of no, no protection on the right-hand side? Maybe, maybe he he feels he's not getting the protection from Walcott, so he can't play his usual game. So he he's he's struggling to express himself. Maybe, but what what really infuriates me about Coleman is is it's been like this for a couple of seasons now, and I love Coleman. He's been one of my favourite Everton players of you know the past ten fifteen years, but it's his delivery into the box. It's fl- you know you can you can read them like a book. You know what I mean, and and it's too easy for defenders to defend against a, a Seamus Coleman um, attack. You know, uh, personally, I think John Joe Kenny did enough to remain in the team after he come back after the Leicester game. Don't think he should have been dropped. I thought that was unfair. Coleman, uh, John Joe Kenny's delivery into the box has been substantially better. Um, Coleman quickly, quickly needs to find his form again, however he finds it, because. This is a new Everton now, and there's no room for, you know, people who don't who Sentiment. can't be sentiments and people who can't be there. And if he's not performing, Brands and Silver are going to get someone into the place, and there's no if or but about it. Is he effectively at this moment in time not our best right back though? So that's why he came into the team, stay from you know replacing Kenny. Uh, yeah, he is. You know, you'd say yeah, you could say that, but you know, you should be in the team based on merit at times. And I think that situation, it was about merit. I thought Kenny did really well the three, the two or three games that he played in. And, you know, was Coleman not 100% fit? Is that the reason? You know, we don't we don't really know. But yeah, he's just been a bit, just like Walcott, he's just been a little bit frustrating this past few weeks and it's getting, it's starting to wear a bit thin, I think. And especially when you've got a left side now, which is playing so well to to have the right side completely handicapped but uh, against um, Palace until Bernardo not Everton went down that left hand side no one touched Walcott no one touched um, Coleman no one bothered with them Everton and I think that speaks volumes when everything when you centralise and you attack down one down what we weren't using both and the, the pair of them need to find form quick Leo, are we, are we being too harsh on Coleman at the moment? You know, he he has been injured, hasn't he? And he, you know, yeah, maybe not, maybe not being fit. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, yeah. I, I was, I was, I was trying to defend defend him a little bit yesterday and saying he has just come back from a couple of injuries, and because a lot of people on Twitter are saying he's finished, he's finished, get rid of, get rid. And so I, so I was um, like, trying to defend him. I, I do agree, agree with a bit what, what Rob said. That he just needs needs to find his form quickly. Um, but 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 I think but I'm I'm just I'm just hope, hoping that, that he will be able to be able to he's he's still only only young and I think he does he does need to to improve his crossing and I think we have got the manager manager now and uh, who, who will who will say, say to him you need to improve on this improve on this 
and and I but we do also need to be careful as well because United targeted it yesterday with public kept coming over. We don't want teams to to start targeting our right side because because every week then because Manchester was looked at looked at yesterday and thinking oh we we can tell the right right sides. So if Coleman can, Coleman can get his form back in in, in the next couple of games, or or maybe he just needs to just play a couple of games and then. And then have a rest and a couple of games. Maybe it is hard to come to play a lot of games because he was out for a long time with, with his injury last season. Well, in terms of the right side, then you know we've got players who can come in and replace those two. So is it just as simple as as doing that, replacing Coleman with Kenny if he's not playing well, replacing Walcott with Luckman? Because it's 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 difficult to say that there's been any evidence that Luckman even tracks back when he's when he's playing. But, I think in what in in some respects, if that's how we're looking at it, like I said, you need it. You should be on the team on merit, and and I think as well to go with it this season. Silver's kind of got not a free pass as such, but he's got room to experiment. So try different things. Yeah. If it's not working, if if Coleman's out of form and it's just not coming back, play Kenny. Give give the lad a run, you know, and try Luckman. Look, to be fair, you're saying there Luckman hasn't shown any evidence of being able to track back. He's barely played. But the games he has played in, he's played quite well in. You know what I mean? He's he's made things happen. He's and and it's all about finding partnerships down them down them flanks. You know, look how Baines and Pienaar used to operate. You know, they, they were always covering each other but forward and back. You know, you never know. Kenny and Luckman might be able to find something similar. Not saying it'd be anywhere near as good, but you know, you've got to give you've got to give things a go and, and not persist with players out of form because it just doesn't do them any favours you know you, you look what's happened to some Everton players in the past who've who've stunk the gaff out for week week in week out we, and they get absolutely crucified look at Morgan Schneiderlin last year you know what I mean he was mm. he was he persisted and persisted and persisted and look what happened it took you know a new manager and a you know a couple of good before you know really desperate good performances from him to try and get back on the good books you know what I mean and, and I think Thing with Coleman and Walcott is the same thing could happen to them soon if they don't find form quick. Is experimentation there, Mark? Then the way to go, or you know, do we not need Silver to to find his best team? I know so in the modern day world of football, you know, you've got your squad, you use it obviously, but is experimentation something that you would? Well, look it's, at? A, it's a transition season. They've said that from day one. I mean, look at the team that lines up for the first couple of games to now, only ten games later, and it's already. A lot different to what started. I mean, we started with Holgate, Schneiderlin, Lewin on the left, Tosin up front, Kenny Davis was playing, and now it's now they're not. Um, so of course he's going to have to try different things. I think the I think he will drop Walcott at the weekend, and he's got two choices. He can either play Richarlison back out on the wing, maybe him and Bernard can mix and match and swap over or whatever. They cover the flanks between them, and then give Lewin or Tosin a recall up front, or he can just go like for like. And bring Luckman in and give him a go. Um, but if Luckman does come in and get a go, he can't just get an hour and he's got to produce in that hour or you dropped again. He's got to say to Luckman, we're giving you five or six games now to bed yourself in, work yourself in, I want you to play and that's a game, that sort of thing. Um, because it's just too much pressure on someone to come in and have to deliver first game. And mm. if not, you know, everyone's all you're out the side again and stuff like that. So, well, if, just sorry, but that's what yeah. I said exactly in the in the past couple of podcasts about substitutes who come on mm-hmm. with 10 15 minutes mm-hmm. to go and needing to make mm-hmm. an impact. It's mm-hmm. so hard yeah, to do that, is, yeah. you know. He had a chance against Southampton, didn't he? And yeah. Luckman in the League Cup, mm-hmm. 
and then got and he was probably one of the better players if it, uh, my memory serves me right so for him to come on and to get the assist in the um, the Crystal Palace game mm-hmm. shows he's, he's made an impact but it's it's so hard isn't it for any type of player whether whatever level you're at to mm-hmm. have that impact with 10-50 minutes to go yeah and all he can do is 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 try and do something and look to stand out and look to look to show that he's back in the groove and Luckman's we've never sat around the table and questioned Luckman's ability have we we've, we've sat down and talked about his attitude and his desire to want to actually play that looks like it's sorted now to me he's coming on he wants to be there he's getting on the ball and he actually looks quite classy on the ball. And he's got it. He's he's got a good drop of the shoulder. He's got good feet. He can drop. He can go left. He can go right. And I think we need to see a bit more of that now. Um, I think he's ready to, to have a little go. Whether Silver goes or that, all, I don't know. All all I think at the moment is that Walcott does not deserve to keep his place now. And you've got a couple of options. Will he put Richarlison out wide again? Will he give Luckman a go? I don't know. But you've got to. He's got to give that a, a little chance again now, hasn't he? Um, so, and with regards to Coleman, my point of view is he's 30 now. And old Lee said he's young. I think 30 he's getting on, especially after a bad mm. leg break, he's actually getting on the sort of... For a fullback. For a fullback. What I noticed last couple of games is he started to do what Baines was doing. And that's when the ball's coming into him. Coleman used to get, get out of his feet straight away and start moving down the right. He stops now and he's like that. He was showing for feet all the time. Someone comes to feet, come, someone comes to feet. And if no one was there, he passed back straight away again. Um, we can talk about Walcott with that and stuff, but he used to sort of bomb on. It was 10, 15 yards in front of him. He'd use that space and then go from there. He doesn't now. So I don't know if that's him. I don't know if that's form. I don't know if that's um, a lack of confidence because of the injuries. Mm. Um, he's had a broken foot he's had a broken leg he's dirty I don't know you think he hit the nail on the head Um, Ian it was about I can't put my finger on it I don't know what's what's up I just look at him and just think you know you're not you're not doing amazing when you're playing and you're not I mean you're making a few mistakes but you're not you're not doing anything too too wrong or too bad still does good things that's what I mean so well and, you know but yeah it's it's the quality on the ball you said about the crossing it, it, yeah, it, it, Rob, it's like little Rob. Philip Neville uh, chip yeah, crosses isn't you can it read, you yeah. can read it and if you did the feather or a goalkeeper yeah. you know exactly where it's going mm-hmm. and when he's through one on one on the goal you, you drill your foot right through mm-hmm. it and get power on it again side foot so you just automatically sort of getting underneath yeah. it and, he, uh, and it's going over and it's, it's the technique side of it but he's always done that hasn't mm-hmm. he um, when you look at Lucas Dean's cross where he's whipped it in and John O'Kenny mm. was doing the same thing you're losing that a little bit so I don't know Coleman's going to be a, a season of um, we're going to have to see how he gets on all season I think I think he'll play him um, but it's a difficult one and I don't know if we'll be looking for a new right back soon maybe it's I'm not saying this is like even the right thing or it's a good thing but the fact that he's reached a certain level and which was a very good level, by the way. You know, he's he's done well and been consistent. Obviously, had that horrific injury, but then he hasn't gone on to the next level, which mm. maybe we expected. Same with a couple of players in that team: Walcott, Schneiderlin, just to name a few. I don't know. I don't know. But like I said, I can't put my finger on why he's why he's doing so. Not bad. We, we need to keep him away from Ireland, be Wales internationals for the start, mm. and keep him fit, and then and then we'll go from there. I, I, I keep my fingers crossed that he can get his form back and we're all sitting here in a couple of months thinking, yes, we've got our Seamus Coleman back, but at the moment, um, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm quite worried. All right, well, I, 
we'll move on from that uh, that little segment there and we'll I don't want to talk too much about this bit even though I know everyone <laughs> around this table Bob's ready. is uh, <laughs> is ready to give it's a good gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. Uh, ready to give a good guns anyway, uh, Rob. The end of the day, on Sunday, we were playing well, I thought, and a decision from John Moss. Good old John Moss. John Moss, mate. As um, well, guy wins the ball, doesn't he, clearly? And for me, Marshall dives. I, I, I think what really annoyed me about the whole thing was, was that if Martial goes down naturally there, which in a sense, I think he can do looking at replays, he can go down, you know, but he doesn't, he jumps up and like, it's, it's unnatural, it's, isn't it? Graham Sooner said that. You know, and I'm sorry, but a referee needs to have a long hard look at that. And he, he got it wrong and it's not the first time he's done us this season, John Moss. And referees are just, I don't think there's a competent referee within this league who anyone on this table can name and say, you know what, they're a decent referee. And I've not been an advocate of it, right, for God, since the World Cup. But it is time that VAR comes into the Premier League. Now, you know, I can count on... Would VAR have changed that decision? It should have done. It should have, it should have done, but the problem is you've still, got, you've, still got these, you've still got referees. They're just given time to make a decision. And, I, and this is the thing, I don't trust any of them. But did you see Dermot Gallagher? He, he still gave yeah, yeah. the penalty. He still gave the, the penalty. So, you know, <laughs> you can have all the technology in the world, but if you've got idiots, you're using it. Exactly, you know. And, and the, these are idiots. John Moss is an idiot. I hope he listens to this. Yeah, I hope he listens to it. John <laughs> is Moss he on is Twitter? Yeah, he's on Twitter. <laughs> we'll tag him in it. And what, and what, <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know. But even Gary Neville said that he thought it was a penalty no. at the time. I don't know if he's, he's changed his mind. He did, he did change his mind. Did he change his mind? Yeah, he finally relented that. And then he went, yeah. You know, but, you know, but but that decision throws the game on throws the game on its head. Then and let's let us let us not forget forget here. This wasn't the only the other decision he got wrong. He should have sent Chris Smaller off. Mm. He was booked, wasn't he? He was already booked. So that was definitely it, a booking. And it was a set. It was definitely a booking. And you know, sometimes you 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 you're playing against twelve men, and I'm sorry, but you are. I don't. It and it's really really it's tough when a, when a referee. Is that inept? I mean, with the small thing, a phrase that I would say he's probably lost his bottle there. Yeah, for me, yeah. you know, Stafford End, you know, he's not going to, you know, send the United player off when they're already. I think he's just that bad a referee. He's just, he's just, he's given the penalty. He's just yeah. forgot. He's and just like, don't forget though, this, a different planet. This is the referee, right, in the Arsenal game, who um, gave the Aubameyang goal, right? He's the referee a couple of seasons ago. When um, I can't remember which Everton player it was, but Yaya Torre effectively ninja kicks one of our players in the back at Man City, right? And there's a famous gif of Martinez going, "What? What was that?" Yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> I remember not, absolutely nothing given. But time and time again, week after week, mistake after mistake, these referees are costing teams points, and something genuinely, genuinely needs to change. Whether it be a complete overhaul of referees, which I probably wouldn't be against, because like I said, there's not one single referee that any of you here can name who would have who you'd say, you know what, he's decent, him. Yeah. Not not a single one. Or we bring in VAR and but we start the, and we start experimenting with it. The concern I, is though that I, I was going to bring VAR onto it because I know you haven't been an advocate for it, but now you're saying, yeah. But like Mark said, if you've got idiots yeah. using it, yeah. then. If Dermot Gallagher, is, 
is he just a sky? He's just a panelist. Yeah, he's a panelist now. He's yeah, not part yeah, of the. Yeah. So okay, fair enough. But he's he's refereed for years, and he's still saying it was a penalty. Can you imagine if that was did go to VAR? This is me. This is this has always been my problem with VAR. This is all you know that that penalty. And I always remember at the World Cup, and um, it was France Australia, wasn't it? And uh, it, he clearly wins the ball, but he still gives the penalty. Mm. So VAR VAR is wrong. Yeah. VAR, you know it it is still wrong, and and it it is meant to be a way of getting things a hundred percent right. And so, the, the, like I said, there's your two options: you either overhaul the referees or you bring in VAR and if VAR is going to give us more of a chance of getting these decisions go our way, great. But what really irks me out the whole lot of this is, is these referees aren't accountable no. for mistakes. They just get to give it, they just go and get referee another game. Going, yeah, another game. If, we, if, if, if we, any of us here do, do our job wrong, we're reprimanded for it. Why aren't they? Why aren't they allowed? Why aren't they to come out? Or at least tell you what, at least have a meeting with the two managers where they're asked question, where they're asked a series of questions of, and explain decisions publicly. Mm. And I think you'd see a stronger set of referees then because they know they've got to get things right. They know they've got to get things right. They can have a word that manages in the dressing room, but it's away from the camera. Well, footballers are made accountable for things for you know for when they've been sent off. You know, Richarlison had to come up and apologise for when he got when for when he mm. when he tapped um was it Daniels at Bournemouth? You know what I mean? They're not held accountable. And then another thing, Martial obviously clearly dived yesterday and only two players, right, have been done for pro, uh, um, after the game for diving. Umanias and Lanzini at West Ham, right? Deli Ali never got touched and he was he was prone to it last He did quite a few dives last year. Zaha spends more time on the floor than anyone else and Martial was told, obviously, today that, you know, no further action. What's the point? Did Mane get done for diving? That time was it Fulham or last season? Don't think so. I'm sure he, he dived. It's only been two bands, hasn't it? Well, there you go. You know then. what I mean? Yeah. And and for me, there's just a, a complete grey area at the minute within refereeing and football, and something's not right because it. And but no one's scared. No one. No one's willing enough to to say anything. To me, to me personally, if I was Marco Silva, I'd be saying to I'd be saying to the hierarchy of our club. He's not a referee a single game of Goodison again. I don't feel he's competent enough to do it. They won't touch it. They won't. Mark Lattenberg didn't referee Goodison for 10 years after he after he sent um, Stephen, um, Tony a bit off. It's a wee game you for know, winning. Arsenal you, away and United away. You probably, I bet you, I bet you we get him for Chelsea away. Do you know what I mean? And, and it, it, there's, <laughs> Put there's, your money on it. <laughs> there's, there's a genuine, genuine problem with refereeing in this country. There really, really is. The rubbish. And, and, that. and, and, I, and I, I, I keep saying it, but name me someone who's decent. And I'll guarantee you, I can ask every fan in the country and they'll all say, and they'll all say no one. I can't. I can't name it anyone. Lee, from where you were sat then, did you literally, you know, fear the worst when, uh, you know, the challenge of the on the ball went in? Did you think, before he even pointed to, do you think this is going to be given as a penalty here? No, because because I, I, I seen him seen him win the ball and I seen him, 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 him throw his arms in the air and dive. And so I so I went ballistic when he gives a penalty, but I I just I I just just don't don't know how we're gonna we're gonna make it any better because 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 referees are so scrutinised now, you're not you're not getting people coming forward and going oh ex players going oh I'll, I'll be a referee and then I don't want them to bring VAR because I don't want them to like did the World Cup experiment with it because because they made a lot of games fast because the World Cup so 
it's got to be right. If they bring it into the Premier League, it's got to be right. It's got to be one hundred percent right. And having people watching and going right, yeah, okay, we we know we know that. And because I, I, and like in rugby, when it, when they go to the video screen, you can actually see in the in the ground. You can actually watch the replay in football. When they used it for the, against Southampton, we're all, we're all stood in the crowd going, "What's he looking at? What's going on here?" And so you you just stood around. Why don't they show on the on the screen and and and, and let, let's have a look, see see what he's what he's looking they've at? Got, they've got to make the decision within a minute, haven't they? Of 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 uh, of the of the check being made. You know, I think that something can happen. Someone in the screen says. I'm going to. You need to check, and then they'll stop the game, and they, you know they do the little TV sign. You know that's all he can do properly, and then they go and check it. And it worked in La Liga last night, the El Clasico. Did it? Um, Barca got given a penalty, which was right, which um, wasn't given at first, but it was pulled back, and they were given a penalty, mm-hmm. and it was right, and it was rightly given. You are right; it does need to be mm-hmm. spot on before, but you aren't going to get it spot on without testing. Oh no! They, they, they can they can maybe test it in. I don't know. But well, they have been, haven't they? In the, yeah, the, the league cup and the, the FA league cup and, and test it a bit more. But to test it in high profile games, because imagine if you uh, they had it in, in the in imagine in the derby and then they did, did a cup tie and they got fast call and then and then we lost two 0 because of it and then all oh, crap we go mad or even it's just around heaven forbid it, it gives something against them and because in the, in the World Cup as well. When the ref was going on watching the screen, it, it was like three or four minutes. Sometimes you, you sit around thinking, what's going on here? I mean, Mark, you can't really can complain, can you, about decisions um, like that if you're not willing to give VAR a chance? No, I, I think, and I've said it for a while, I think we should follow cricket's lead. And, and I think what should happen is each team should get a couple of reviews at the start of the game. So say yesterday, Gaze Adamant, he's touched the balls. I want you to go upstairs mm. see that. And the decision is taken then out of John Moss's hands. A, a third referee or third umpire, whatever, gets to see that and makes the decision. Because John Moss being, uh, and all the referees are going to be like, they're going to be stubborn. They're going to be saying, no, no, I've got it right. Mm. I've got it right. Mm. Unless it's absolutely clear cut, they're just going to go, no, no, that's a pen. Mm. Same with what Dermot Gallagher said. Take it out of his hands. Give it to a third referee, a third umpire who's sitting there can watch it clear on the screen, away from the game, in a studio, somewhere out the way, analyse and say, John, got that wrong, actually, mate, you need to overturn your decision. If you do that, that, that's got to be a better system than what's going on where a referee goes over to the sideline, pressure from the fans around them, got to make another decision like that. It's not <laughs> well, going to work. You saw it at the World Cup. I, I can't remember exactly what game it was, but a referee went over to the monitors yeah. and he was there. It was long, he was yeah. there for longer than a minute. Yeah. It must have been two. Yeah. He walked away yeah. and then walked back. back. I was like, well, you, you, you must be under, yeah. you must be under so much pressure to yeah, get yeah. this decision right. You know, put like you just said, put someone in a room yeah, yeah. who is literally yeah, like calm, mm-hmm. confident. They're looking at all the things. Mm-hmm. He's literally got thousands of people mm-hmm. watching him, and his art is his all art must be going mm-hmm. like that. Do you know what I mean? I'll be dead honest. You know, when the penalty was given, I watched it at home yesterday because of family reasons, and I was like, when he gave the penalty, I thought a penalty. From so on the angle, the ball's gone past Gay, but we've later found out that's because of a ricochet of. It's unfortunate that ricochet. Yeah. Is there. That, <laughs> that ricochet changes the does, whole concept. Because of the John yeah. Moss has just seen that go past Gay and he's seen the outstretched leg and he's thought penalty. That's it. Mm. That's all he's seen. It's only in benefit of hindsight now and slow play, slow motion replays. You can see Gay touch the ball. It hit Martial's leg. I think there was a bit of contact. He's just gone over theatrically, hasn't he? I don't think he's dived over. I think that if you look it's an unnatural. It, He's, yeah, he's just made the, the most of it. He's, he's, he's felt the contact on Gay and then gone down like a, an Olympic diver, but he's actually, there was a tiny bit of contact. But So in hindsight, 
I don't think it's an actual dive, but in, but it's also not a pen. The correct decision there is just a goal kick. It's come off Martial's gone off with a goal kick. Play on, do you know what I mean? And I think a, 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 a third referee away from the ground, sitting with no pressure in terms of being influenced by anyone or players or anyone coming up to them can make a proper decision and, and get that right. Um, that's that's the only way I can see that would happen. You know what he's Mark saying there as well, like, like the way cricket do it. Ice hockey does the same. And basically, you're allowed. I think four or five. Well, tennis do it as well. Isn't mm-hmm. it? Tennis, tennis do it. Yeah, you're allowed. Yeah. And basically, if you if you waste one of your, what, what let's call them a challenge, if you mm-hmm. like, you lose mm-hmm. it. You know, but I think you I, get more honesty out of players then as well, won't you? Because yeah. you'll know if you foul them, and and, and you'll, you'll say to your captain, you know what? That's just the name. Yeah. Sorry, it's a pen. Hmm. Whereas if you're Adam and look, I've got the ball, go upstairs and see that, and you'll get more honest decisions then, I think. And you know what? In the FA Cup final uh, last year with um, Chelsea um, United. Um, it was a hazard penalty, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, that won that won the game. There was a clip on YouTube after the game, and it was Michael Oliver, I think, who ref the game, and he had an earpiece in, and he was running. But obviously, he can't keep up with Eden Hazard or whoever, whoever it was mm-hmm. who, who won the penalty. And in the ref, in the in his ear, he's got um, people in the stand going. Uh, He's took him down, he's took him down, he's took him down. It's a pen, it's a pen, it's a pen. Someone made that decision for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Someone made that decision for him. And it's exactly what Mark's saying there. No pressure, no crowd-like interaction. Shut the door, darken room. That's all you're listening to. You're literally just watching mm-hmm. the match with, 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 with complete unbiased. That could be the way forward. Sounds saucy, that darken room. Sorry. I But I just think it's it's common sense, isn't it? It's like people... Players are surrounding the referees and influencing them. So before they've even gone to watch the screen at the side of the pitch, they've got a preconceived idea. Or if you're at Old Trafford with 75,000 fans screaming at you, mm-hmm. that's not a pen or whatever. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's human reactions, obviously, going to be, oh, I'm not changing my mind here, or I'll give it to the home side or whatever. Just give it to someone else. And then at least the ref can say to the players, look, that that's not me, I'm just being told. Mm. You've just watched it. Because you, you can make that decision with the monitors, yeah, can't yeah. you? And no no pressure, no pressure to players. Yeah. Um, all right, well, there's no there's no easy answer to it and I don't know whether it, there is ever going to be an answer to it, but I think we've come up with some decent ideas there. So And, maybe. Get, and get rid of John Moss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get rid of John Moss. All right, well, we'll move on to uh, the recent announcement then from Everton Football Club of the, the stadium and that uh, this wide public, uh, wide-scale public consultation um, prior to uh, the the new stadium for planning plan application to go in. The View from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The View from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Uh, Mark, I'll go with you first. Uh, just your initial thoughts when that news broke on the you know the public consultation that's gonna that's gonna begin within you know two or three weeks. Yeah, it it, it it's good news. Um, I echo um, Joe Anderson's comments, really, what he was talking to Greg and, and Tony about in his yeah. podcast, which was, it's obviously good news and it's obviously a step in the right direction, but why has it took 12 months to mm-hmm. do a public consultation? Yeah. We could have done the public consultation now and sort of be ready to say, right, we know what the, you know, we bought that land last November, so it's been there for a year. We know what we want to do with it. It's not like a big shock now going, right, everybody, come and sit in the cabin for five minutes and tell mm-hmm. me what you think. Everyone want to build a stadium on it. Oh, you're choking, Hardy. Right, okay, yeah, that'd be a great idea. That could have been done 12 months ago. So it's just, it. that's just the only little bit of frustrating thing for me. When when I heard my views on that, you get 
a couple of fans saying, oh, stop moaning about blah, blah, blah. It, it, There's no rush and stuff like that. There is, there is a rush, and the reason why there's a rush is because the predictions are that we'll be making an extra 25, 30 million a season when we move into that stadium. So each season that goes past and the delay goes on another year, we're losing 25 to 30 million pounds a year. So tell me why there's no rush. <laughs> so, Not to mention the cost of uh, material. Uh, rising and stuff, do you know mm. what I mean? So uh, no explanations being given. I've, I've asked and I've asked and I've asked, and I've asked and why couldn't you have done that public consultation? And we all know what we've bought the land for. They could have done that then and said, right, this is what the plans are. We want to regenerate the area. We're going to build a fantastic stadium. This is the transport links, blah, blah, blah. They knew that 12 months ago. I just want to know what's happened in the meantime. On the overall basis, it's it's, it's good news. We are going in the right, right, right direction and hopefully this time next year we're in a position to have submitted that uh, planning application. Um, I don't know if it's the new regime that have come in with Colin Chong and, and, and um, Keith Harris overseeing things and have come in and thought, what's Robert Elstone being up to here? Because you know my thoughts on Robert Elstone. So who knows, but there's, there's no real answers being given as to why now we're just doing the public consultation. So without, I don't, don't mean to put it down on it because it's there, but I just feel we've just lost 12 months there, to be honest with you. Rob, just share that. You know, obviously slight optimism, but, you know, a bit of a concern that 12 months have, have passed us by. I think my personal opinion on it is the reason why this 12 months has gone by with little or nothing happening is I think, like you just said there, Colin Chong's come in and I think he's just ripped up the whole... The whole That's pro- all I can the whole, the whole, the whole project. Mm-hmm. You know, Robert Elstone, we all know what he was like mm-hmm. and he was he was not fit for purpose in his role. And, you know, what what what's key for Everton in this? And we've seen it with Liverpool. We've seen it with Tottenham. We've got to get this right first time. No messing around. So if delays do need to happen, fine. You know, but make sure that we do it right. Let's not have protests. Let's not have, you know, um, have a stadium which isn't ready for um, for the season. We say, you know, for, for when it's going to be. Let's make sure all the planning is perfect. And I think these new guys have come in and they said, right, okay, we might need to do things a little bit differently. Here. You know, we, we've got to bring in Look what Spurs did RPR for us. You know we need to learn from that. This past this past three or four months, what Spurs have had to go through. You know what I mean? It's 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 it, they look they look a joke at the minute with their ground. Let's learn from that and make sure we're doing it right. And I think that's what it is. I think it's a case of hang on a minute. We've not done all we should have done prior to this. It is unfortunate that there is a delay. I understand where Mark's coming from in the sense of, you know, it's potentially lost revenue because I think, is it a year now it's been pushed back effectively? Planning in application terms, has, anyway. You know, in terms of like the, the opening date mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. You know, it isn't great. It isn't great, but I just think what's key is it's got to be right. And we've had three failed stadium moves, Kirby, King's Dock, and um, that Sainsbury's one in Walton Hall Park, which never even got off the ground. This club can't afford a four-failed stadium. Well, Lee, you know, Rob's just basically asked me a question for me there. You know, the three pre- previous to that, they've obviously been massive failures. How optimistic now are you that Everton are going to move to Brownley Moore within, you know, five five years or so? I am I am more optimistic now because I think we, we've got the, the right people on board. And in the past we hadn't, so, uh, with Elston and a lot of other cronies, we have got the right people on board now. And I think Evan are learning from their mistakes and 
it, it, it is it is frustrating. I I, I agree with what, with what Mark said, but also a bit like what what Rob said. Um, it, they, they are like like trying to get right. And and for us as fans, we don't know what goes on behind the scenes. And and a lot of time, us as fans, we think, oh, nothing's happened for twelve months. We just think it's a project that that's, that's in the in the cupboard, and then you bring it back out. But maybe there has been. Uh, more talks and delays because also uh, as regards to funding it now looks like it's going to be private private funding uh, so Evan could have quite easily gone to Liverpool Council and said yeah we'll take this money so may- maybe uh, another reason for the delay, delay is um, they, they could be having talks with, with other investors someone like Usmanov coming on board and Maybe maybe I'm just being totally over optimistic and saying this this delay might actually work out well for us and, and and be better for us i mean i don't know the ins and outs of planning permission or all that you know i'm not no. no knowledge of it whatsoever but maybe from what we've gathered and from what joe anderson said we ain't going with the council option anymore are we it no. is going to be no. it is going to be a privately funded i think stadium. he said he, he hadn't heard didn't he didn't he say because i think greg had said to him but you know everything going private and only said well no one's told me that they're not taking us up on the uh, offer so i mean i, I, I mean to be, to be fair i did i mean this was like a third party article i did it was um it was a times article where they said it was going to be privately funded mm-hmm. whether it's true or not remains to be seen but maybe if it's we've decided to go privately funding and it's not with the council maybe like that's another ladder then we've added to the rung of that we need to step on of the public consultation maybe if we would go with the council fund then you bypass that yeah, i don't know so. i don't know that i don't know the ins and outs of planning permission yeah. and things like that but it, that could be a reason for it you know the will we ever really know probably not um but i think the steps everton are taking at the minute is are the right steps and patience is needed with it mm-hmm. you know at the end of the day we've it, it's five years five years away right saying five years roughly it's a long time mm-hmm. five years you know well did it, mark did this this consultation need to happen i mean you know what everyone want to do things right you know mm-hmm. what i mean like they're obviously going through that process mm-hmm. did it did it really need to happen if they not just apparently it's started to see isn't it as mm-hmm. part of it especially because it's a wider regeneration mm-hmm. projects what what my point is is that I, I fully understand its complexities. Fully understand we're building on a world heritage site. I fully understand there's going to be delays in the building process and the planning process. What I'm saying is there was nothing stopping us doing a public consultation this time last year. That once we bought that land that was ours, we knew what we bought it for. We haven't bought it to build mm. Disneyland or we bought it to buy our stadium. This is what we want to do with it. Them them plans haven't changed, so we could have done that already. That's all. That's what that, that was my point. And when I asked them questions no one could answer they just said oh stop moaning stop moaning like just mm. just ask us why we couldn't that public consultation could be done now we could be in a position to say right now we're in a position to go for planning go for application. Plan application and funding yeah so th- I, 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 I'm just a fan no one needs to, I, no one's responsible to answer questions to me but it would have just been nice to say, look, this is why we didn't do it this yeah. time last year yeah. and, and we move on, do you know what I mean? The fact that we don't know. What happens this time next year if the club won't say, right, we've done the planning consultation now, but actually we won't be able to submit the planning application until next year. Do we just all go, oh, all right, we've got to get this right. We've got to, do you know, yeah. how many times do we say we've just, with the delay, you've got to get it right. So I think I'm exactly the same position as I am with the football side of things at the moment. It's a cautious optimism. Right? <laughs> and you're going to get started. Yeah, not to. And I'll keep saying it. We're building 
aside in a transition stage at the moment and as much as I'd love Bramley Mordock to happen and pray that it'll happen I will always be a little bit sceptical don't forget the man who overseen the three fail ground moves is still chairman mm -hmm. Keith Harris was once described as uh, delivering the square root of nothing by uh, Manchester United's owner and, and it's like so you're like okay well let's just let's just see what happened I'm not going overboard but at the same time I'd absolutely love to see Everton uh, move into that stadium down the docks you know what I mean just very quickly then I'll ask all three uh, Mark what what capacity does this ground need to be um, well, somewhere in the region of 55 to 60 isn't it somewhere around that um, I think any lower than that and are you going to be yeah, I wouldn't like a, a 52 or something. I think you're just sort of defeating the object there, aren't you? Want, you, you want to be ambitious, but also realistic. I think a, a lot will depend on the state of affairs on the pitch at the time and stuff, won't it? Um, but I'd, I'd, I'd love to see a 60,000 capacity. I'd love to see, and I'd love to be able to think that we could we could fill that week and week out uh, down the front. And I think a stadium is on the dock attracts other fans and weekend visitors and, mm. you know, to, you know, what, their grounds full of really, do you know what I mean? They, they might come over to should just buy iPads though on the ground. Yeah, well, <laughs> buy iPad docking stations and stuff. But um, yeah, I, I'd say fifty-five to sixty's got to be your ambition. Rob, I've seen people on Twitter. You know, spoke to people say the bigger the better. And when they're saying that, like, I'm assuming the meaning sixty, seventy, eighty. Is that? I think unrealistic. I think I think there's there's obviously like a level that we can't really go past. You know, I think an eighty thousand seater stadium would probably be a mm. little bit too big for us. Let's you know, mm. let's let's be realistic here. But I think if we want a stadium which is, you know, it it's it's got to be the best in the city. It's got to attract people. I think anything less than sixty thousand would be really detrimental to to the club. You know, let's let's not forget this stadium won't be used just for football. Mm -hmm. It's going to be used for massive concerts. We want it to be used as massive concerts in the summer. John Bon Jovi. Because I've got to go to the dark side in the summer to watch my favourite band. I refuse to go as well. Yeah, will, but you know, you've got you've got to like set it up. So, you know, you'd say if it's sixty k, you'd probably say what five six thousand of those seats are going to be corporate. What's the mm -hmm. revenue in them going to be? You know what I mean? You've got to be able to, and I just think 55, you know what I mean? Sunderland's got 55. You know what I mean? They're in League, two, they're in league One. You know what I mean? You know, it, let's, let's aim, let's aim high. Mm. You know, and, and, you know, I think Dan, Dan Mice is, you know, he, he, he's, he seems confident in what he's doing and I, I just hope, I really, I, I opened within the consultation actually that the two talk about capacity you know whether whether it could be one of the questions. What you think is well, going to be the gonna what you think is going to be the capacity? I'll move on to you, Lee. But I'll just say that this is this is my confusion with the public consultation in the fact that you're going to do a public consultation and provide this information without any designs. How, how does that how does that work? I don't I don't know how that the questions, works. As far as I'm aware, the questions are that simple. Like, do you agree with this project? Do you think this will bring revenue to the city? And that's why I'm saying, why couldn't we have asked that last year? Mm. Well, no one's got a design to go off. No one knows what the actual plans yeah. are. They're dead basic questions from what I'm led to believe, which is why people have been kicking up a fuss saying, well, copites can just walk in then and go, well, I don't think it's good because, you know, my kid mm. won't be able to get to school on time, blah, 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 so they can kick up a fuss. Um, the, if we had the designs and all that, then obviously... The, Evertonians give a far more detailed answer, couldn't he? But apparently, from what I'm led to believe, and I'm, again, I'm happy to be corrected, it's literally basic questions. Do you think this is a good thing for the city? Do you think this will bring money? Are you happy for the stadium to go there? That sort of thing. So, Lee, uh, just your thoughts on the, the size of the stadium, the capacity. 
I agree with what Rob said. It's, it's got to be sixty thousand. We've got to get the, this right. We can't. We can't go for uh, the cheap option and then because I, because this is for the next hundred hundred years or so, or if, if not longer. And we're, we're obviously hoping to that, that aim for to get the top four and and then be winning the Premier League. So we we need this ground as big as possible. And then we we could have five five thousand for corporates, but then also the other big thing is we've got to keep the prices like competitive. And because other clubs, when they move to new grounds, um, I think I think I think Arsenal did um, did didn't spend any money on players, but then made the prices high. If we made the prices high, um, we're not like other clubs who have tourists. A lot of our fans are local; they're not going to pay these big prices. They only come to our games, and we don't want to be half empty because it, it will really pour on telly. Well, I think it's a debate at the moment that could roll on for the forever, isn't it? But we'll we'll, we'll finish there because we've uh, we've talked for an hour. Um, before we go, I just wanted to finish off the podcast and the show by just saying uh, uh, like to pay our respects following the uh, the tra- tragic events uh, that occurred in Leicester on Saturday. Our thoughts go out to everyone at Leicester City, and I'm sure my guests around the table uh, would do the same. Um, yeah, to my guests, then Mark, uh, Rob, and Lee. I uh, appreciate you coming in. Um, great discussion, and uh, thanks very much. Goodbye. See you later. You've been listening to the View from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo.